the heart of New York City, or it might be from a pub in Ballum. Um, you decide. This, this is a bit of a first for us, uh, We Are History, because we are doing it live, John. Yeah, exactly, yeah. People, can you all just move back? People are getting crushed <laughs> at the front Don't here. Don't crowd us, guys, come on. Uh, yeah. We're doing no, part of the, of the cheerful, earful... That's quite a mouthful, ironically. Cheerful, earful podcast festival. Thank you for having so, us. Thank you for having us. Um, and we've got our lovely live audience in front of us. And um, it's good to be back because it's been a while. We've had complaints, Angela. We have had complaints. We've had people going, you've been away so long. Angela's been doing like Mot the Week and corporates and... Still right, don't been... tell them I do corporates, John. I'm trying to have <laughs> no, some credibility. Charities. Not a cha anyway, you've been incredibly busy. <laughs> doing a lot busy. of work for charity, John, is what I actually do. I no, you've been incredibly busy, haven't you? So. Very busy. And you've been slightly busy putting on musicals in the West End. Well, they're not coming no, to the West not in the West End. On Broadway. Broadway, Manchester. Same thing. <laughs> That's my trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this will be going out uh, this uh, probably in October or November, the first of a new series of wearehistory.pod.com. Oh, John, one day. <laughs> one day you'll realise we don't have a website. <laughs> Never had a website, John. I don't understand um, it all. <laughs> John thinks that people find out about the website because I go around putting leaflets through their doors. That's what John thinks happens. I, I still thought that we recorded this onto cassettes and posted it to everyone. <laughs> so it is, it is really nice to be back. And we've, we've chosen a subject as far away from current affairs as we could possibly, possibly imagine it. Absolutely. Previous episodes have been like uh, the rise of Homo sapiens or uh, Stone, Stonehenge, Ethelred yeah. the Unready... But we're going to ask you to sort of cast your mind back even further, concentrate and think about something that you just, you know, cannot imagine. A deeply unpopular conservative government beset by financial scandals, sex scandals, lost all credibility, been in power for too long, completely out of touch. They'll have to wait to the end to find out what happens, yeah, Angela. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Whether, will it be Tony Blair or John Major who wins the 97 election? So, yeah, we're not, we're not going to go into detail about everything that happened in politics in those five years of the, that government because it's really dull. Um, so this is mostly about how it went wrong for John Major. So John, if you don't know, John's written books about uh, the 1997, a book about the 1997 general election. Well, and so we're not, yeah, we're not yeah. yeah, sort of focusing on the victory as opposed to the collapse yeah, and, what went, and how it went wrong over and over again. Um, <laughs> and we're getting no joy out of that at all. So normally we, uh, we like to go back, Angela normally likes to go back about three millennia. Uh, so uh, what are you going back to, Angela? Are we going back to the fall of Constantinople or the... <laughs> right, uh, I just like context. That's okay. all it is. I just think if you're going to talk about something that happened in history, you put it in context for people that might not know. So the Big Bang happened... <laughs> And no, we're going to go back to something I don't think you know very much about, John, which is the fall of Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Do you remember no. her? Do you know her? I you really had any opinion about no, her. No, I don't think so. No, it's, no. no um, you should read, read up, up on her. Really, should, very interesting yeah. woman. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah. um, no, I mean, uh, John Major had only become prime minister in 1990 in November, uh, really, because he wasn't someone else. Um, he was a neutral person. Uh, the party could turn to to stop Michael Heseltine, the candidate who had sort of felled Thatcher. Tory party felt guilty, and having chosen to dump Thatcher, they thought, well, we better not vote for the person who, you know, who organised it. So there's a quote that goes, um, he who bears, wields the dagger never wears the crown. I wouldn't open with it. No. But it's, um... <laughs> anyway, 
Everyone thinks it's from Shakespeare. It's not. It's just from some journalist at the time. But oh, really? uh, yeah, yeah, it does sound very it Shakespeare. It does. Well, let's just say it's from. Pericles. It's got the word crown and dagger in yeah, it. That's yeah. why it's. Yeah. But Major was actually an incredibly uh, lucky MP, a politician really. He sort of rose without trace. He became a councillor in 1968 in Lambeth, next door. Uh, the only time the Conservatives have won Lambeth, he's a councillor for Lambeth. Do you know how many? Do you know how many Conservative councillors there are now in Lambeth? Go on. Zero. <laughs> this is the first time this May. Hey. First time ever. For anyone listening at home or abroad, we are in Lambeth right now. No, we're in Wandsworth we? now. Oh, no, we're, Wandsworth. we're in Wandsworth. Wandsworth. The board, next door is Lambeth. The first time this May was the uh. first time that's ever happened. But then he became an MP in 79 at the beginning of 18, period, 18 years of Conservative rule. So he was in a good position in 1990. He wasn't at Hesseltine. And that's yeah. why, I think and, that's and, why he won and it. And Thatcher sort of backed him, as the, yes. Uh, yes. which was important in that, at that point. Yeah. Um, but obviously in order to have a mandate to govern. They then had a general election in 1992 um, that nobody expected John Major to win. No, you I had, certainly didn't. No. Um, well, no. <laughs> nobody in this room would be surprised yeah, that you yeah. didn't expect. So you had Neil Kinnock, leader of the Labour Party at the time, and not even the people who won it expected John Major to win. His campaign didn't no, expect No, they were writing their excuses, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, and, and Labour had been ahead in the polls in the run-up. Can you imagine such a thing? Yeah. Um, and so most people were expecting a hung parliament with maybe Labour having a slight majority. Yeah, but interesting, interesting fact for political anorexics like me, but on a very large turnout, John Major in that 92 election got more votes um, to be prime minister than anyone ever in British history. More than Blair, Churchill, Thatcher. He got 14 million votes. No one's equaled that before or since. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you do think of him as just sort of squeaking yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Like he got a majority of 21 seats. And as the night got on, oh, God, I remember it so much there. Uh, I the, don't, because I was 13, John. Yeah, oh, we, had, we had sick in the sink in my flat in Battersea. We had a, one of the 17-year-old volunteers went, uh, walked home and he put a brick through a window that said, I do not condone that. <laughs> I'm just saying it happened. But we were very bitter. We were very bitter and angry when that happened, I remember. But anyway, um, yeah, I was actually campaigning for Alf Dubbs to uh, be the, uh, to, to take uh, Battersea oh, back. <laughs> he, was the, fans, he, he lost his seat in 87. I was, I'd been his uh, research assistant in the House of Commons. And then um, I was uh, trying to get him re-elected. The biggest swing of, uh, towards the Conservatives in any constituency in Britain was Battersea. You bastards. <laughs> That's you. I'm sure it wasn't you. I'm sure you didn't vote against Alf I Dubbs. I think half but... the people in this room weren't alive, John, to yeah, be fair. Uh... I... <laughs> Yeah, so um, we thought then that's it forever. We thought the Conservatives are going to be in power forever. If we can't win an election when we've been ahead in the polls, when there's uh, been, a, you know... I feel like by saying that we're just slashing any hope that any Labour voters have in this room right now of where we're at at the minute. Well, I hope like not. I hope not. Yeah, but, but anyway, don't worry. It's good. Spoiler alert. It turns out all right. So what happened in the five years to take us from the 1992 election to 1997? What happened five months well, later? Well, five months later, uh, Black Wednesday... Remember Black Wednesday, anyone? I mean, everyone remembers Black Wednesday, what happened, but it's so fucking boring. So, <laughs> Black Wednesday on the 1992 sterling crisis was when the government were forced to withdraw sterling from the European exchange rate mechanism. Um, I mean, there's, there's a sentence to send the heart racing. Oh, God, really. that's a... The thing with that is, like, all of us, we understand that, that the sort of ramifications of Black Wednesday, what that meant for people, yeah. you know, and the, but as soon as people start talking about yeah, economics and the European exchange rate mechanism, really I do want to kill Russell myself. It's not a pro-action movie, is it? No. no. I, I am the father to a murdered son, wife to a husband <laughs> to a murdered wife, and I, and I was forced out of the European exchange rate mechanism. <laughs> yeah, simply explained, the ERM, everyone 
said, what's that about? And they went, um. But that was the oh, precursor oh, to the European single currency, the euro, which is, you know, most of Europe has now. And the major currencies were supposed to be linked to avoid uh, their value fluctuating too much and to provide monetary sta stability. There's people asleep in the front oh, see, already. I've, I've literally <laughs> lost the will to live. I'm um, really trying, John. Um, so, yeah, so, we, so Britain had gone in too high into this thing. This is, this is the point. So, um, so, so we've yeah, gone go in too high. The bottom line is our economy was weaker than that of Germany, which was the dominant economy in the European Union. And the market traders saw, by which I mean trade, not you know, people selling apples and pears pound for a pound, but I, market traders saw a chance to make a lot of money and they started to sell pounds, which this is where I start to get... How, how do you sell a pound? How uh, much is it? I'll buy... Uh, I'll, I'll give you 50p for it. No. No, well, one for 50. Meet you, done. Meet Job you done. in the middle. Okay. Meet in the middle, a quid. <laughs> done. Pound done. for a quid. I don't understand it either. But anyway, I don't think the British people understood it, but they got that we had gone crashing out of this important uh, European thing. They got that Britain had been humiliated. So I'll tell you what happened during the day, actually. Yeah, uh, Norman Lamont was the Chancellor. Norman Lamont, was, yeah. And it wasn't particularly a close ally of John Ager, wasn't it? Uh, well, wasn't. They, yeah, they made him his Chancellor, but no, later on he wasn't. But no. they, he, in one day, interest rates started in the morning at 10%, which is quite a lot, isn't it? And then it was at 12%, and then it went up to 15%, and everyone was going... God, you know, I've got a mortgage at home. My interest rates have suddenly sort of gone up 50% in the day. And everyone was like, everyone had a mortgage. was like, what the fuck? Mm. You know? And none of it worked. Nobody bought more pounds no, in the no, market. No. No. And so at the end of the day, uh, the pound crashed out of the European exchange rate mechanism. And Lamont in the evenings appeared outside 11 Downing Street. And he's in front of the cameras. And he goes, well, this has been an extraordinary day. And do you know who his junior advisor was standing right behind him? No. David Cameron, age 25. Was he really? This 25 year old little puppy faced David Cameron is standing there watching him give this speech, going, Oh, I can do better than that. <laughs> uh, we won't just, when I'm in charge, we won't go crashing out of the European. 25 year old? Yeah. David we'll go Cameron. crashing out of Europe altogether when, <laughs> I, when I get in there. And of course, a fuck up like that couldn't happen today, could it? Just? Absolutely. That is definitely, definitely the catchphrase for our podcast. Of course, it couldn't happen today. Irony flashing up uh, on the screen here yeah. in the room. Yeah, so that's, I don't think anyone understands foreign exchange mechanisms, but they understood... I don't think Quasi Quarting does. No, no. So, um... No. But they could see that Lamont had lost control of the economy and humiliated the United Kingdom along the way. So uh, he wouldn't resign. Major wouldn't sack him. Labour were very keen to tie uh, Major to Lamont. Mm. I was writing jokes for Gordon Brown at this point. Can you believe such a thing? I can't believe you've admitted that. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's been up it. Famously I've, I've been... hilarious, Gordon Brown. <laughs> um... You should see him close the comedy store. <laughs> hey, my name's Gordon Brown. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> but, but they wanted to tie together. He said, we need a joke to tie together uh, Lamont and Major. Because if Major sacks Lamont and you go, oh, it's done. We've moved on. Yeah. So I, it's not a particularly clever joke. I just went, oh, they're the Laurel and Hardy of British politics. That's another fine mess they've got us into. But John Smith saw it in his speech and went, I'll have that. He did it from the Labour Party conference, and it was the front page of the mirror, the two of them done up, like Laurel like and Hardy. Hardy. And then this week, in the magazine The Week, on the front, they had Liz Truss and Kwarteng as Laurel and Hardy going, another fine mess. So these jokes just keep coming. Did around. you phone them and go, I'll, uh, my, well, yeah. I'll set my it's invoices not, in the post. I, I think it's trad arranged, if I'm honest. <laughs> So that's the first sort of black mark was Black Wednesday. Yes. It's happened. So, so they've, um, they've weakened the pound. I always think whenever, why people are surprised that the Tories weaken the pound, because whenever I see a Tory politician, I think they'd give you a weak pound. But that's... 
I'm just going to have to set the settings to explicit on the I mean, podcast I've, now. I've said that as if I've just read that off there. The worst thing is I haven't. That just came to me and I'm really ashamed of a myself. Weak pound. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, the thing about Black Wednesday is it hardened Tory opinions about Europe. And uh, this was not a party that was as anti-European as it was to become later. There are about 25 real hardcore anti-Europeans. Uh, maybe a hundred more who are sort of increasingly scheduled. Yeah, quite yeah. a few that were ready to be tipped over. So now I've got but Now you... we come on to even the more exciting stuff, the Maastricht Treaty, oh, guys. Can I get size. a whoop? Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the Maastricht Treaty um, involved closer integration of the 12 countries uh, mm-hmm. in the European Union. At that point, yeah. Um, is that right? Yeah, back yeah, then there was so only 12. It's amazing. Yeah, and, but to appease the right of the, of the Conservative Party, which John Major needed to do to keep his majority, he managed to get, negotiate an opt-out yeah. in the Maastricht Treaty, which was an, an opt-out to the social chapter, social charter. Yes. So, which, if you don't know what that is, that is the bit of the Maastricht Treaty. Not really that important bit. It's just the bit that guarantees fundamental social and economic rights. Yeah. Um, the, you know, Britain, we've got... part to the European Convention on Human Rights. Who needs that? We've got no minimum um, wage. Uh, we haven't really... Come on, it makes us feel good, doesn't it? Yeah. That we got rid of the minimum wage in the social chapter, the right to join a union. All that was negotiated so, away. So basically, yeah, he negotiated that away to keep the right of the party happy, the bit that um, meant that, you know, the enshrined civil and political rights in law um, would affect the British Labour law and allow more strikes, which obviously people were... Um, yeah, yeah. So, yes. believe it or not, this was actually quite thrilling at the quite time. We, we didn't have much entertainment. There were only four channels back then, <laughs> and um, the vote on the ratification of the Maastricht Treaty was uh, so touch and go in the House of Commons, and it would have been uh, could have brought the government down. So it was really like, are Labour going to beat it with the rebels from the right of the Tory party? But then, so then they lost it, and then Major made it a vote of confidence well, in his government. So that if the rebel MPs voted against him, they'd lose the Tory whip. So he made yeah. it so that the rebel MPs couldn't vote against the ratification of the uh, yeah. Maastricht Treaty. Um, except one, I think one, I can't remember who, but one Tory MP Did abstained. Did he? I think. Um, then, uh, but the rest of them capitulated and voted it through. So it got through. In that year, this little party called the United Kingdom Independence Party was Whatever formed. happened to them? What happened to them, <laughs> I don't know. So, I'm so used to working on the BBC. I keep thinking, oh, we're going to get in trouble. No, we're not. We can do what the fuck we like. <laughs> Um, yeah, but still, John Major, even though John Major had got this thing through and, and uh, you know, successfully led uh, his agenda through the Commons, his ministers continued to brief against him, leaked and uh, plotted against him. And in 1993, he was being interviewed by Michael Brunson of uh, ITV News. And he said, why don't you just sack those three ministers who are always plotting against you? And he goes, he didn't realise his mic was still live. And he went, do I really want three more of the bastards out there? And when well, like, will politicians oh. just learn how yeah. microphones work? <laughs> I know. Like, that should be day one of an MP. Is, right, this is how a microphone... If you're wearing one, I'm, someone can on. hear what you're saying. John Major swearing, though. That was, that was the shock. He knew the word bastards. It's not... Sw- <laughs> that's not a shock. His parents were in the music hall. Yes, so what's that Linda Smith gag? He's the only man to run away from the uh, circus, the circus to become of, an accountant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was her. Anyway, bless her. Um... Yeah, it was clear that at some point the right wing of the Tory party were going to make a move against him. Uh, but none of us uh, saw what he did after three years of being undermined and uh, humiliated. So we're now in 1995. June. June the, 1995. The Rose Garden of Downing Street. Beautiful setting. Yeah, lovely. And he, he got all these journalists uh, and they're all assembled there and they all look a bit bored and grumpy. What's this going to be about? Well, he then announces, dun, dun, dun. 
that he is going to resign the leadership of the Tory party, 1995. And they're all like, what, wait, but you're the prime minister. So who's the prime minister if not you? And then he says, me, I am still the prime minister because I am entering the leadership. Yes. So how did Boris not think to do that? I know, resign and say... Resign and go, but I am in the race. Yeah. Well, because so, he had so many people, uh, well, I think yeah, so many yeah. people resigning against him. But yeah, so he's like, they're all going, hang on, go over that again. You're quitting, but you're staying. You're resigning, but you want to have the job. So Major pulls himself up and he reads me his little card. Yes, it's time to put up or shut up. So witty, isn't so it? so cool, isn't it? It's like isn't Clint it? Eastwood in that movie. Isn't it? <laughs> he gets off the horse and goes, time to hey, put up or shut, or shut up. up. So, yeah. So he's shocked the nation by doing something vaguely interesting. Yeah. His comedy actually was boring. That was the thing about John yeah. Major. And we're going to come on to that slightly more yeah, later, yeah, I yeah. think. <laughs> His big idea was the Citizens' Charter, which included the suggestion that uh, people at motorway service stations should wear name badges. I love it. I love it. I sort of forgotten about it. Do you know the Citizens' Charter was in effect till 2010? Oh, really? Like, you could still get a charter mark until 2008, and then they wound it up in 2010. Oh, and you know what the Citizens' Charter gave birth to? Something that we all were sad when it went. Has it gone? The Traffic Cones Hotline. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, baby. It's like Churchill won the Second World War. Yep. You know, uh, Gladstone tried to solve Ireland. Major Traffic Cones Hotline. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah. So if you don't know what the Traffic Cones Hotline is, if you see some traffic cones and you're not sure why they're there, phone the hotline, they'll tell you. <laughs> that was it. That, that really was his big idea. Major policy <laughs> point, guys. So. He really should have been the manager of Carpet <laughs> Warehouse, I think, really. Um, yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, but these are. put us all at risk then, didn't it? If he lost the premiership, we'd lose the traffic cone hotline. Unthinkable, unthinkable. It would, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, this bizarre leadership competition, nobody knew what was going to happen. Uh, there'd never been anything like this before. It was un unprecedented in British mm. politics. And, you know. And so, yeah, yeah, there's suddenly all this speculation who's going to stand against him? Because you've got the big beasts of the Tory party that people were expecting would stand against him. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> who stepped... Oh, I love this so much. Sorry. Um, yeah, so everyone's yeah. going, is it going to be Portillo? Is it going to be Kenneth Clark? Is it going to be yeah. Hesseltine? Hesseltine, of course, had put the knife into Maggie, so he was like, I've got to play this a bit carefully. Yeah, yeah. Although he so still we wanted got to... burnt that time, didn't Yeah, we? yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, Portillo was a potential... Yeah, my, but Portillo was caught putting loads of phone lines uh, into this uh, house in Lord North Street... And uh, ready for when he's prime minister? Yeah, no, ready for uh, the campaign. Oh, so right. basically, he, Portillo goes, I'm not entering the first round, but I'll be ready for the second round. I'm having all these phones put in this building. And he got caught. And so it came up at prime minister's questions. And uh, John Major was challenged on this. The unimaginable happened again. John Major did a half-decent joke. He did went, you write it? I didn't, no, I didn't write for the Tories. <laughs> I wrote for the Labour guys. I think we've established that. No, he went... Oh, you see, it's not, it's, this, this joke isn't going to laugh now because you interrupted the setup. <laughs> sorry, I've undermined no, it, it. I'm sorry. It's a tribute to the privatisation of British Telecom. See, that would have brought the house down. <laughs> That's such a good gag. They would have loved that. I if think you, you had to be there. Yeah, I, think you, had, I, you, I yeah. think you probably had to be there. It went down very well at the time, anyway. But um, all his ministers had taken slightly too long to say that they were backing John and mm. they weren't going to challenge the leadership. Portillo took forever. But. Whole weekend, Welsh Minister John Redwood suddenly announced he would stand. If anyone doesn't know who John Redwood is, there's the best it's the best thing that ever happened was John <laughs> John Redwood trying to sing the Welsh national anthem. And if you might have seen that, so he was the Welsh minister at the yeah, time, Minister, minister for Wales, for Wales yeah. and he was at the conference in Wales and hadn't bothered to learn the Welsh national anthem. And it's on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, please look it up because 
He, so what he does, rather than just stand there dignified. sort of and listen to it yeah. dignified, he just sort of nods his head and moves his mouth. In it's completely. like a dying goldfish, isn't it? It looks like, it genuinely looks like Alistair McGowan is doing an impression of him doing it. It's so... And it he lulls so his head this nuts. way and that, like, oh, I love this bit. Yeah. Um, so that, that was in 93, I think, that happened. So that's yeah. still in people's minds. That This is the guy who... Yeah, he was already um, a figure of fun. That, and yeah. So, Remember, it was so right-wing that as Minister for Wales, he actually sent money back to the Treasury saying, no, we've got nothing we need money spending on in Wales. This is true. He sent money back going, we... we Wales is well, fine. The Wales is fine. fine. Yeah. They don't need the mines have all closed down, but you can have this money back. Um, so this was the Sun headline. It's Redwood v Deadwood. This was uh, John versus John. Uh, but the, the, the Redwood bid was really fatally sunk at the first photo op because the Eurosceptics who were backing them, they, they looked like the Adams family. They were like this... You mean they were Tories? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were the, the crankiest, weirdest bunch of sort of, you know, you'd check the water. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah. village, the village where they came from. Um, but stripy blazers, crazy bug-eyed faces. They do, there's a picture, isn't there, of him sat surrounded yeah. by them, and they, it does look like some weird family photo that you'd burn. Yeah. Tre Tre Teresa Gorman in a bright green dress. Do you remember Teresa Gorman, the MP for Billericay? Yeah. Tony Marlowe in a big stripy rowing jacket. Um, and uh, they looked like a bunch of psychopaths. Yeah. Probably because yeah. they were a bunch no, of but psychopaths. They almost certainly were, yeah. Daily Telegraph actually cropped out the guy in the stripy rowing jacket for their front page. Um, he still got the votes of enough to carry on to... No, he didn't no, get... He to, didn't get no, no, he got 89 MPs. Yeah. That, 89 right? is written down here. That's quite yeah, hard that's to see those figures... Research. So it says 89, and then yeah, it says 89 20. 89 with 22 abstentions. That's Christ, good. Okay. It's well read. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, yeah, so that was still um, uh, enough for John Major just to squeak in. Three fewer votes. John Major said he would have resigned, and he would have got it. But Yeah, but he said that afterwards. Well, he said that was his private yeah, if target. If I got three fewer, I would have resigned, but yeah. But at the, at the Labour Party offices, they were like, that's perfect. He's damaged, but still there. So Maybe. if Portillo had had the balls to stand in the yeah. first round rather than wait, yeah. we could have had... Portillo then, yeah. Portillo, I, quite, yeah. I mean, that's what Maggie did. Against, that's what Maggie did against Ted Heath. Yeah, she yeah. was supposed to be a stalking horse and did so well that she had so much momentum that she got the premiership of the Tory party when no one thought she was going to win it. They yeah. thought someone else would come in later. So, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe... Um, well, I mean, spoiler alert, he wasn't even an MP after the general election, was he? Yeah, just, no. That's why he just goes around the country now in salmon chinos on the trains. So, <laughs> but... <laughs> One other bit of detail, which I think is worth mentioning, because I love all these little bits of uh, uh, backwater stories, but Redwood was replaced as Secretary of State for Wales by a young uh, politician called William Hague, who became the youngest cabinet minister since Harold Wilson in the 1940s. He was determined not to look as big an idiot as Redwood when at uh, the conference, so learnt Welsh and ended up marrying his Welsh tutor, Fionn. Oh. So this episode is basically a rom-com. That's all. Yeah, Isn't that lovely? The whole second half is them running through fields, oh. holding hands and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. so Major wins the leadership battle, yeah. and this could have been the moment, right, that the party completely resets. The leadership gives them fresh impetus. He has that honeymoon period, and as the Queen said to John Major in their private audience, "Bastards are gonna bastard." That's exactly that's what happened. What's gonna, yeah. Because that's what happened. Yeah, the Tory con Tories continued to tear themselves apart, and uh, actually, uh, division as much as the sleaze that was to come. We'll talk about in the second half is what did for Major in the polls. Labour had been quite a long way ahead under John Smith, but then along comes Tony Blair in '94, and Labour's poll leads were massive. They're like 20 plus points. Could None you imagine? I know. 
Can, but none of us dared believe it because we'd lost four elections in a row. We were utterly traumatized by Again, 1992. Can you imagine? I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the, the recurring narrative of the rest of his premiership was sleaze. Yeah, mm. that was sort of Which is a clever term, isn't it, sleaze? Because it encompassed both sex and financial yeah. okay. misdoings. This, I think that was um, um, Alistair Campbell, yeah. Yeah. And these, these scandals were all the more enjoyable because uh, in 1993, John Major had given this speech uh, declaring that his government was going back to basics, um, if you remember that, which was taken as a sort of manifesto of old-fashioned values. Yeah, sort of Victorian yeah, education and family and, yeah. Long shadows on county grounds, warm beer, invincible green suburbs, dog lovers and pool fillers, as George Orwell said, old maids cycling to Holy Communion through the morning mist. Again, wouldn't open with it. No, no. Um, <laughs> Pools fillers. I thought swimming, filling up a swimming pool. But that's maybe I'm a bit posh there. I think it means filling up. The, <laughs> pool I think it means filling up the, oh, pools, filling out the football pools. Football I pools. thought pools fillers were the person with pool the hose fillers. pipe. I totally. Pool <laughs> fillers, John. Got to have a pool filler, John. Yeah. Come on. I get it. I have someone to fill my pool for me. <laughs> so yeah, lots of Tory ministers making speeches about. Well, it was. It's really upset when you look back at it. I'd kind of forgotten, but I remember. Again, I was quite young, John. But um, I remember that. There was a real sort of push against single mothers, particularly. Yes. And being in a family with, you know, my dad had left and I was with a single mother. Right. It was very, um, yeah, it was, it was in all the, you know, all the papers all talked about this terrible... Blight on Britain. Sort of blight on Britain and epidemic yeah. of single mothers. And um, yeah, uh, uh, that was a real sort of heart of their campaign. And Red, 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 the right wing of the Tory party used to give up, get up and make speeches about this. At the mm. Tory party conference, Peter Lilly, I can't remember who he was minister for, he got up and did a bit of comedy about it. It's nothing better than when Tories do comedy. <laughs> he rewrote the words uh, of a song from Gilbert and Sullivan from the Ricardo. Oh, God, it went on and on. It was, it was like, Pete, mate, it's not funny. It's a it's little like, list, wasn't it? The yes. little list from Ricardo. I'm going to do it, guys. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, You're going to do it. I've got a little list of benefit offenders who I'll soon be rooting out and who never would be missed. They never would be missed. There's those who make up bogus claims in half a dozen names and councillors who draw the dole to run left-wing campaigns. They never would be missed. They never would be missed. There's young ladies who get pregnant just to jump the housing queue and dads who won't support the kids of ladies they have kissed. And I haven't even mentioned all those sponging socialists. I've got them on my list, and there's none of them be missed. There's none of them be missed. I mean... And they say there's no right-wing comedy. I mean... <laughs> it's good, Angela. See, missed and, missed and, and kissed list. Behind kissed, it, but yeah. he's got a fundamental misunderstanding of how babies are made. Um, <laughs> and they were all going, oh, it's very good, very good. Now, uh, he, must have, he, must have, he must have thought it was brilliant. I, I mean, terrible. I, I don't terrible. know about you, John, but I think we should take a break, take a moment, because I don't think we can top that. Um, <laughs> Take a little two-minute break so, for our sponsors while yeah. you wipe away the tears of laughter. Yeah. Uh, and uh, after the break, we're going to talk about those episodes of sleaze that became the defining narrative of the John Major government. The yeah. juicy bits. Yeah, it's what you want. This is what you all yeah. came for. Yeah. So we'll be back after this. Uh, coming after the break, it's John O'Farrell's worst nightmare, a Tory in a Chelsea shirt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to the We Are History podcast, and we are talking about the slow death of the John Major Premiership. Oh, happy days. Oh, yeah, baby. What were you doing in the 1990s, Angela? Gestating? Oh, 
post. <laughs> yes. I, I was, so in 1990, I would have been 13. Wow. So in the 92 election, 15. 15 and then I, so 97 was the first election where I was old enough that's cool. That's a good election. Which is a pretty good election vote. to me. I was a student at Sussex University. Oh, that's cool. And um, cast my vote in the room that this year I got married in. Oh, Isn't that lovely? Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. My, um, my son's first vote was in the... I said, when was your first vote, Freddie? It was in the AV referendum. Oh, what, boring. What a, shit, what a shit first vote that <laughs> is. a really shit first yeah. vote. We had yeah. such a party that night. It was oh, great. I was crazy. living in Halls of Residence. Oh, I thought you meant for the AV Blair referendum. Yeah, for the no, AV no. referendum. It was... <laughs> woo, it kicked off. But what I think is really... Really interesting about this. So I, when I was young, sort of a teenager, I wasn't very politically engaged at all because I had Tory parents and um, who... Uh, my dad was a big fan of Maggie Thatcher, um, but we did watch Spitting Image together. And, and oh, yes. at that age, I didn't really understand the politics of it all. So my overriding feelings about John Major at the time is whatever you were feeding me. <laughs> as a, as a writer, <laughs> because you were writing the jokes that I was watching when I was... Well, we're, we, we, we entertained, but we made you think as well. You That's did, right. yes, yeah. yes. So, yeah, no, yes. that was the whole... Um, it was a bit of a, quite a challenge when he came along because Thatcher had been there forever. And we struggled a bit when John Major came along. First of all, we tried to do him well, as There's a, no hook, is there? There's yeah. no... Like, Thatcher's full of hooks. Yeah. No, but also, he wasn't that well-known. It'd be like if Rishi Sunak had suddenly taken over. All like this trust, really. You're thinking, I don't, this person crept up from nowhere. I don't quite know what the comedy attributes are. Mm. You've sort of got to invent them. So, first of all, we tried this thing with him as a robot, with Maggie doing the uh, controls, and that sort of worked for about a week. <laughs> but then we landed on the grey thing, and that was just like a sort of... We thought well, the idea was to make him in black and white and everyone else in colour. I thought it'd be some high tech thing, but actually the puppeteers just paid and painted him grey, and that worked. And it that. landed. And that's that's satire. And the peas. Who remember the peas? Yeah, you remember the peas. That was that was that was me and Mark. Give me a cheer if you're old enough to remember Spitting Image. Yeah, everyone here. Give me a cheer if you don't remember Spitting Image. Hey. <laughs> Your daughter. My daughter. She was traumatised. You mean you haven't sat her down and made her watch every single episode? She was traumatised as a child because we had a Maggie Thatcher puppet in my office. Full size one. <laughs> Poor thing. Oh she, she comes in the middle of the night into our bedroom going, Who's going to Mrs. Thatcher? <laughs> we, we all did that in the 80s. And then we go, what are you worried about, dear? Because I'd obviously told her the history of Mrs. Thatcher. She goes, I'm scared she's going to take all the milk from the little children. <laughs> <laughs> I got in there early. Um, yeah. yeah, so anyway, the thing about the string of scandals that beset John Major is that, yes, there were a lot of them, but I don't think they would have landed and played the same way in the media and in the public if he hadn't already been completely discredited after Black Wednesday. So the fact that people had less money in their pockets yeah. and, and what had happened meant that these were piling on top of that. And they were blown up. You know, they were made, this yeah. is absolutely outrageous, this latest you know, minister who's you know, run off with his secretary. That was like, well, that happens all the time. But they made a real thing of it, I think, because they're already seen as incompetent. Yeah. And the other thing that should be said, probably, is a lot of these scandals were nothing more than married Tory MP turns out to be gay. Yes, a few Which, of obviously, today, it's very different. But, but the, it wasn't the fact that they turned out to be gay that was the outrageous thing. It was the hypocrisy of a yeah. government who'd, turned, you know, who'd not um, refused calls to repeal Section 28, who'd... Allowed Section Twenty Eight. Yeah, in the they first whipped place. up and so it's the hypocrisy, feeling. right? Rather yeah, yeah. than the yeah, it yeah. Was, it was, yeah, it was not so much the homosexuality as the hypocrisy that everyone pissed everyone off. The, as I said, the first memorable scandal came with a Tory MP in a Chelsea shirt. Uh, that was at the same time as Black Wednesday. David Meller, he was the MP was just down the road for Putney. Uh, he resigned as what was then called Heritage Secretary. If any of you don't know, I mean, Google it. It's not an attractive man, is no, it? No, regardless of the Chelsea shirt. I know. 
Uh, and uh, after lots of uh, press attention regarding his extramarital affair with this actress, Antonia de Sancha, he, he eventually resigned. He didn't, I think he actually... It's the toe jobs. The toe, yeah, no... Toe jobs. Toe jobs were a real thing in the 90s, yeah. weren't they? Fergie had a toe Fergie job. Fergie got caught out in a toe job. It didn't really catch on, though, did it? Not like fingering. That just ran and ran. <laughs> but... I think maybe it's time the toe job made I a comeback. I think the toe job should come back. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so it was from no job... From toe job to no job was the headline. Um, but he actually clung on through this scandal. The thing about the Chelsea shirt, I think it was made up by Max Clifford, the publicist who sort of spilled the beans on this story to the tabloids. So poor Mella was going, yeah, I did have sex with this actress, but they, the, I wasn't wearing a Chelsea shirt when I did it. And it's not a dignified look, is it? You're going, yeah, I did betray my wife, and, but I wasn't putting on a, you know, a, <laughs> a, a shirt replica shirt. That bit's not true. And he was really pissed off. Yeah, it's a grim <laughs> image, isn't it? He's not, Mello was not a looker, as I say. Yeah, I feel bad saying that, but well, yeah. he wasn't. He posed um, at his garden gate with his family. He did the whole picture at the gate with the family and the kids. Such and the, a yeah. trope, isn't it? It's like it, the, the Little Britain thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So the following year, Stephen Norris... Um, who is conducting simultaneous affairs with three different women, plus two previous affairs were revealed, prompting the headline, yes, 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 minister. <laughs> the, the, I'd say the tabloids, the tabloids had a great time. Uh, Tim Yeah. Tim... I'm sorry, I want my MPs not to have enough time. I know. Like, they shouldn't have enough time for this, should they? Well, they're very driven people. <laughs> alpha males. When was he sleeping? Yeah. Though? Um, Tim Yeo, Minister of the Environment, had fathered an illegitimate child, having done a speech against, you know, single mothers. Uh, yet, the thing I'll say about all these Tory ministers having affairs with young researchers, they say power makes you attractive, don't they? They're going to have to be... I mean, David Mellon must have been incredibly powerful, is all <laughs> I can say. Do that still applies, Angela? Was that like oh, well, you... it, I mean, it must do, because you look at Boris Johnson married to Carrie yeah. Simmons. Got, I mean, I look at... How the fuck did that... Who did she, if she married Boris Johnson, who did she shag and avoid? That's what I want to know. <laughs> if you're, you now as a woman, looking at Jacob Rees-Mogg going, you must a little bit, you must go, for voice open. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah, yeah, you're I'm, going, for Obviously, I'm, uh, I'm a woman, John. Yeah, Come yeah. on. Minister for Brexit opportunities. <laughs> a little bit? <laughs> okay. What if talk, was... talk about a weak pound. He'd definitely <laughs> give you one, yeah. But you, you have to choose between Rees-Mogg don't make me do yeah, this, Gove job. or Johnson. Well, at least Gove would have some decent gear. <laughs> well, I think we found uh, it. Uh, Maybe it's already happened. Maybe it's already happened. <laughs> so now we're on to uh, Alan Duncan. Yep. Oh, yeah. So he resigned. For, oh, this is a classic Tory manoeuvre, this, isn't it? He resigned because he bought his elderly neighbour's house under the government's right to buy scheme. So what he did... <laughs> The right to buy scheme was for the underprivileged to be able to buy their house. So obviously he wasn't underprivileged. So what he did, he said to his elderly neighbour, I'll give you the money, you buy the house, then when you die, which will be soon, I can have it. And that's what he did. Yeah, nice. Classy. And, and yeah. the other thing, these resignations would always follow the same pattern. There'd be the scandal, then they'd try to sort of just front it out and think, oh, it'll die down. John Major would stand by them. Then it would go quiet. Media clamour would grow. And then they ended up doing the right thing, uh, the wrong way and when it was obvious they didn't have any choice again you know, George coin a catchphrase it couldn't happen today it couldn't happen today no, no. Um, couple more scandals David Ashby admitted sharing his hotel bed with a close male friend on a rugby tour but denied that his marriage was ending because he was homosexual 
Again, good luck to you, David, but your party's homophobic. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, issue, isn't yeah. it? It's not you being homosexual that's yeah. the problem. It's you being homosexual while holding up homophobes. Yeah. Um, same month, January 1994, Tory MP Gary Waller admitted he'd fathered a child with his secretary, uh, which is pretty basic if you're talking about back to basics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, credit to him for that. It doesn't come more basic than shagging <laughs> your secretary, secretary, does it? Yeah. No. Back to basics, yeah. Yeah. Um, February, same month, same time. Oh, now this is not a scandal, but a Tory MP dies unexpectedly. Everyone at first thinks, oh, is it a sudden heart attack or a possible suicide? Nothing to do with all the sex scandals that were consuming the government. This is awful, this story, yeah. isn't it? It's really awful because what then actually happens, it was someone in the, the otherwise stainless uh, Met Police um, sold the details of his death to the tabloids. Classic. Again, couldn't happen today. Yeah. Um, and it turned out this particular MP had died, of course, hanging from a light flex naked except for suspenders and stockings and a plastic bag over his head and an orange in his mouth um okay. which yeah. obviously the tabloids uh got a lot out of yes i mean uh his poor family had to be told we've got some bad news Stephen has been found dead hang on that's not the bad news we've got yeah. more uh we've got details of how he died are going to be all over the tabloids tomorrow morning i got paid quite a lot for them actually uh so um yeah the scummy uh, met uh, sold all the details uh, but, of course, people love reading about this sort of stuff. Uh, mm. I have to say, I'd never heard of autoerotic asphyxiation at this point. It was not a thing we did in Maidenhead. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it definitely is a thing they do it, in Maidenhead, it? John. It's not, I was not... Maidenhead is exactly the is sort it? of place they do auto Because you've got to be bored to do yeah. that, right? Well, it I suppose It doesn't happen so. in London. There's shit to do. I know, well, it, yes. <laughs> I, um, well, I, I, there was a slight... So actually, I was working for... By that time, I'd moved on from... Uh, Spit the image of Have I Got News For You, and the producer of Have I Got News For You, I don't think this is a very good joke, and I don't think he should have done it, be sent out to publicise the new programme, black bin liners, orange, oh, and suspenders. God, and it's hilarious. like, the BBC ended up apologising, um, but that was the guy's sense of humour. Uh, and it was, now everyone went, oh no, this is a pretty tragic story, no, really, this, this poor it, bloke. Yeah. John Major actually went, oh, it's a very sad, tragic, lonely man. And all the friends of Stephen Milligan, who's the guy we're talking about, said, no, he wasn't. He, he was, he'd just been promoted. He'd had a great weekend. He decided to go home and give himself a treat. So he was just, yeah. he was having some fun. It's and uh, it's the thing he wanted to do, and it's the thing that went tragically wrong. But yeah, yeah so they're all very upset with Major about the way he handled it. But um, um, then yeah. we come on to uh, a Tory part. Uh, PPS? P yeah, I know, uh, private parliament. I mean, never remember if it's a private parliamentary secretary or parliamentary private secretary. I don't think anyone cares. No one cares. PPS. <laughs> uh, Hartley Booth, um, he resigned after the News of the World exposed his affair with his 22-year-old researcher. He must have been hot. Um, <laughs> because she, John, she, 22 years old, obviously seduced what him. Said. What a bitch. He, he, said, he said she was She, she was seduced him. him into kissing and cuddling, John. <laughs> Because um, they do that, 22-year-old women, to old men. They do that all the time. Um, I feel sorry for middle-aged men, if I'm honest. I get, um, you, I get it all the time. Mate, you, you have it tough. You really yeah. All these 22-year-old women just throwing themselves at you, aren't I, they, John? I don't it's, want kissing and cuddling, I say. Yeah, it's endless, yeah. you poor fuckers. <laughs> and then another Tory MP. Another Tory MP exposed by the News of the World for taking his underage boyfriend to Barbados. Underage then, not now, I should say. Uh, but that was the Tories' fault. Yeah, because it was still 21 then, wasn't yeah, it? So yeah, the, so uh, the right-wing rags were saying, look, he's a homosexual. Well, lots of the left were going, That's not we what don't we actually mind. mind that, but <laughs> we are enjoying watching you tear each other apart. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we will let you continue to yeah. do that. Yeah. 
Um, and so, in fact, during this period in office, John Major did get the age of consent for gay people lowered from 21 to 18. Just 18. I mean, there was yeah. a 16, but they couldn't get that through. And 16 yeah. was what it was for straight people. Yeah. And it should have been 16 for gay people. Yeah. But you don't want to hear the speeches from the opponents in the Tory even, party. No, you, cannot, let's, you cannot imagine it. But there. guess what? The very Tories who had been opposed to Europe and the stripy blazers and the, uh, the, the same mad people who backed John Redwood were the ones who were vehemently opposed to lowering it from 21. Um, so yeah, it helps you sort of just be clear in your head that you're on the right side when those sort of things happen. Yeah. 134 yeah. Tories voted against the uh, uh, age of consent for gay people being 18. That's incredible, That's isn't it? Nuts, isn't it? Uh, yes. May 94, Max Clifford was getting money for another scandal. Alan Clark, not the striker for Leeds United, Angela. You oh, were just going to go... Obviously, there. was my uh, first thought, John. <laughs> you were going to go straight there, weren't straight you? Straight there. Alan Clark, the former minister, he's reported to have had an affair with a woman and both of her daughters. Fucking um, And they got a lot of money from the tabloids for their story. And Alan Clark's wife, Jane, said, quite frankly, if you bed people that I call below-stairs class, then they go to the papers, don't they? <laughs> and this was... <laughs> below-stairs class. So... Yeah. But, but also, their dad was a judge. His, <laughs> The person yeah. he had an affair with, yeah, yeah. her husband was a judge. Yeah. The, the daughters, their father was a judge. That's, that's below, stairs. below stairs. That's how posh they are. They think that's, that's below me. stairs. Yeah. She said, um, my, uh, I, this way she described her husband as an SH1T. He is, I know he's an SH1T. Strong language there. That, yeah, my dad once, right, this is a slight aside, but my dad was a bit of a lad in his day. And uh, he, he uh, dated this really posh woman once. And she lived in Kensington. He was definitely a bit of rough. And... Um, she used to call Harrods H.A. Rods. <laughs> wow. Yeah, mad, isn't it? H.A. Rods. H.A. So Rods. Summer 94, the sex scandal stopped, Angela. And suddenly... Did they just stopped, did they? They sort of did just stop. And then suddenly... <laughs> but they it didn't. Was, it was all financial scandals. Suddenly yeah. it was a whole load. So, yeah, July... Yeah, summer was... of 94. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and... Um, yeah, July, a couple of Tory MPs resigned after being caught by the Sunday Times taking cash in exchange for asking parliamentary questions. So this is the brown envelopes. This is yeah. the... Cash for questions. Yeah, it sounds like scandal. an ITV quiz show, doesn't it? Does cash it? For <laughs> now, Angela Barnes on Cash for Questions. Hang on, I've just got a call to <laughs> me. <laughs> With, yeah, Sue Pollard and Christopher Biggins <laughs> and Angela Barnes. <laughs> yeah, you should do it. Um, Thanks, John. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, a few months, uh, uh, yeah, Tim Smith resigned as a minister after admitting taking cash uh, for questions on behalf of Mohammed Al Fayed. And then Neil Hamilton, remember him, Christina Neil Hamilton, he resigned over the same scandal. This is basically a sting operation by the uh, Sunday Times. They were just trying it out, sort of seeing who would be corrupt. And surprise, surprise, quite a lot of them. Um, so, yeah. Um, one we'd all forgotten about, Robert Hughes resigned as a PPS after an affair with a constituency worker who had come to him for help from an abusive relationship. It takes a certain mindset, doesn't, doesn't it? it yeah. to, but a, a very Tory... Like, it is a sort of metaphor, a theme throughout the Conservative Party. Like, look, here comes someone vulnerable. Let's screw them. <laughs> um, isn't it? It's like, it, wow, this person's just, me in distress. I'm going to have yeah. sex with them. Big one coming up, Jonathan Aitken, April 95. He resigned as the Chief Secretary to the Treasury over allegations about him taking gifts from Lebanese arms dealers. How do they meet these people? Saudi businessman <laughs> and procuring prostitutes for a Saudi prince. Oh, actually, I have done We've that. all accidentally all... procured prostitutes <laughs> for Saudi princes, No, I've done that. Actually, yeah. easy to do. I got done for doing 25 miles an hour down the Wandsworth Road. So <laughs> I'm not going to moralise about Jonathan Aitken procuring prostitutes for a Saudi prince. We've all, we've all broken the law. But yeah. he, he didn't admit the accusations 
in the he declared he was going to sue the Guardian for yes. um, and went in front of the TV cameras saying if it falls to me to start a fight to cut out the cancer of bent and twisted journalism yes it's definitely the paper's fault uh, in our country with a simple sword of truth and the trusty shield of British fair play so be it. Did we record that, guys? Because we might need that later. After yeah. <laughs> Let's keep that clip for yeah. later, Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan, mate, you sure about this? Uh, the clip, of course, came back to haunt him. Fantastic. Not only did he perjure himself in this uh, court case, he also was prepared to have his young daughter perjure herself on the witness box. She was about 17 or 18. He tried to get her to commit perjury as well. Uh, he ended up in prison. And the libel trial left him bankrupt. But other than that, it was a very what good... What a shame, It was eh? a very good idea. <laughs> it's the arrogance of them. It's yeah, like they mean, know they're guilty, but they think yeah. they'll win in court because of how privileged they are. And that... Exactly. He'd waited years to be a minister because uh, he'd gone out with Carol Thatcher and she'd never have him in the cabinet because he dumped her so meanly. So really? she's not so having eight kid in my cabinet. Moment. It was horrible to Carol. He sounds like a lovely yeah. guy. yeah. So now this isn't actually a complete list. It would just take too long. And too many of them were just, you know, a family man. Tory is actually gay, which is just a bit tragic. There's one MP out of the closet all this time. Chris Smith, the MP for Islington Mad, South. Is the only, just one out. was the only MP. openly gay MP. It was a different time, Angela, different time. Mm. Uh, but as I say, it was a hypocrisy that rankled with people as much as what they got up to. This is when the word romp really came <laughs> into its own, didn't it? it <laughs> romp and bonk. I once did, um, I once did, I used to have a, a joke in my set that the, the punchline was fucked her brains out. It was a really funny joke, but that was a punchline. And I, was doing uh, something on Radio 2, and obviously they said, you can't, I can't do that joke. It's right. fine, I won't do it. They said, but you could do it if you change it to bonk. I was like, I'm not, I'm not a tabloid. Like, I'm not, who actually says bonk? Could bonk you... Also, bonked her brains out? That doesn't bonk work. Bonked her brains out. Yeah, it's not no. funny. Um, so, yeah, it was all minister in a three-in-a-bed romp. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure I know what a romp is. It sounds no. very tiring. It sounds a lot of work, isn't it? It sounds, sounds like yeah, a bit riding. bouncy. Yeah. 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 Paddy Ashton also is a liberal, of course, but he got done at this time. Having an affair with his secretary. Paddy Pantsdown. Paddy Pantsdown, what a headline. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Do you know what? His personal rating for who would make a good prime minister went up from 34 to 47% after <laughs> oh. that. But there's, there's something dashing about Paddy no. Ashton. No. I'm not, I'm not oh, saying I No, him as well. You, as well as you fancying Reese Mogg. You fancy. <laughs> I think there was a lot of housewives thought Paddy Ashdown was... Really? Yeah, I reckon. Because ex-military, the kind of... Definitely. Definitely. Jackie hated him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I was a fan, John. <laughs> and, of course, at this time, no, what no one knew was the uh, old, boring old John Major himself was banging Edwina Curry all the time. Yeah. Actually, that had happened back in the 80s. It yeah. was when he was Chief Secretary of Treasury, he was banging yeah. Edwina Curry. Uh, but you don't they didn't you, know that at this you point. You don't want to picture it, do you? I mean, now I am. <laughs> But when we were doing Spit and Image, we had this idea of him having an affair, a secret affair, because we used to do that thing of John and Norma. And we, we said, who should it be with? And we said, should we go for Virginia Bottomley or Edwina Curry? And we made it Virginia Bottomley. Can you imagine if we made done the, oh, Edwina, I wish he would have been going, They would have been sitting there going, how the fuck do they know? <laughs> it's like, I mean, we've got enough laughs out of the idea anyway, but God, I wish we'd gone the other way. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, um, and John Major actually, there were rumours that he was having an affair with his catering manager at Downing Street, and he successfully sued the New Statesman to say that he would never be disloyal to his wife. Or, Apart you know, from those times he was. With Edwina Curry, yeah. 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 So a few other things happened during those five years. Wasn't it's all this. five years, this. Incredible, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so John Major was Prime Minister when the Irish peace process got started. He really didn't have sufficient power to sort of push it through and take it forward, and it sort of felt like an amazing opportunity that had been pissed away, really, by a useless mm. government. 
British Rail was privatised. That worked out pretty well, didn't it? That's great. How was your train journey out today? It worked out really well for people who like buses. Yeah, no, that's good. Let's have a private company in charge of the trains and a different company in charge of the rails. What could go wrong? Then there'll be competition. That's actually, I think, what they're thinking. It's amazing it's taken until this year for nationalising the railways to be a realistic possibility again. But that's now back on the agenda. And what happened to all the pits the Tories said they wouldn't close? Ooh. They all got closed. Yeah. Uh, mad cow disease. Yeah. Yep. Oh, oh, sorry, I see what you mean. Yes, yes. you just pointed at me and went mad cow. Oh, mad cow. Um, oh, God, that was the joke that everyone would send into Spitting Image. Uh, yeah, oh, I've got this joke about Mrs. Thatcher. Yes, mad cow. Yes, no, everyone's done that joke. Yeah. You know, <laughs> That's even before ex- Twitter was a thing. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, yeah. So they lost support in the countryside yep. because of how they handled that yep. particular issue. And all through this period, the government were losing by-elections all over the place. Sad, isn't it? Um, and Tories were defecting to Labour or the Liberals Quite a yep. lot of them were yep. crossing the floor. The liberals and, um, yeah. So finally, in 1997, John Major found himself heading a minority government. He lost his majority. Yeah, from 21 down to zero. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And then, about, it lasted about a week, then a Labour MP died, so he had a majority of one again. That's a bit sus, isn't it, that? I know, yeah, it's dodgy. <laughs> I'm then, not making any accusations, but come on. Then they lost a vote in the House of Commons, and then the tellers went, hang on, no, we miscounted, and it was declared that they'd won it again. So none of this made you feel like... Uh, no one was in, in control. Chart. It felt yeah. like yeah, yeah. nothing was... Yeah. So so it's time to put the uh, government out of its misery. And so on St. Patrick's Day, I remember it was, 97, Major called a general election, an unprecedentedly long campaign, six weeks in the hope that Labour would trip up and some, something might pop up and he might win it. But we can exclusively reveal now, John. Yes, what happened? Tony Blair did in fact become Prime Minister in the biggest landslide since 1832. That's yeah. amazing. Tories lost more seats than they held that night. I don't know if anyone remembers the election of 1907. <laughs> it's all a vague blur. I, to I know me. a book about it. Yeah. Um, um, John resigned the next morning. Went, John Major resigned and went and watched the cricket. Um, but although it was well, hard, do? hard to believe Tony Blair didn't get as many votes in that election that Major got in 92. That is, yeah, they don't shout about that at the Labour do they? Party, do they? No. And I'd say, weirdly, looking back now, uh, the loathing that people have for Tony Blair is way above any feeling that people could be bothered to summon up for John Major. Mm. So back in 97, it was, it's a complete turnaround when Major was held in such contempt and Blair was like this national saviour. So you never know. Because John Major was also there for the Gulf War. I think people yeah. forget, but that had... A, public support that the Iraq war obviously didn't. Yeah, um, he'd been there for the first Gulf War, yeah. Yeah. But if a government is on competent and on track and been seen to know what it's doing, mm. then I don't think you get that feeding frenzy uh, for scandals like the one in Gulf, in Gulf John Major during his five years. It's a bit like the Perfumo scandal mm. that we did on our first, very first podcast. Very first episode. Yeah. And, of course, before Black Wednesday, John Major was given the benefit of the doubt by the press. Yeah, and absolutely. they were, you know... And I think there was a... Thinking that he would carry on Thatcherite policies, which he didn't. Yeah, really. There was a feeling that it would just be a continuation government. But on the night of Black Wednesday, really. um, Major rang up the Sun. They rang up the editor and said, um, "How how are you going to run this?" And the editor said, "I've got a great big bucket of shit on my desk, John, and I'm going to pour it all over you." And Major went, "Hey, Calvin, you are a one." <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, the headline after Black Wednesday was, now we've all been screwed by the cabinet. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, on that one day in 92, the voters lost faith in their government. And I think there are moments in history, this is what I've been going around saying optimistically, when the millions of people all changed their minds at once. I think it happened in December 90, 1978 with the winter of discontent. Did a podcast about we that. Did. We did. October 2007, when Gordon Brown didn't call that election. We did do a podcast about that because that'd be really that. dull. Scotland in 2015, and maybe, maybe September 2022. This is my hope. 
Jim Callahan said, there are times, perhaps once every 30 years, when there is a sea change in politics. It then does not matter what you say or do. There is a shift in what the public want and what it approves of. And I think that's what's just what's happened with Liz Truss and Quasi Quasi. It's just making sure people don't forget it. Isn't it? I think the difference between now and 97 or any is that things move so quickly now that people just yeah. forget. Like, we've forgotten Partygate already. We've forgotten all yeah. the other stuff they've done during the pandemic. Because you just... It, yeah. People don't hold on to that. And also, I think people forget, in 97... Labour had the sun. Oh, well, the sun switched over late in the day, yeah. actually. Yeah, I think the wall... I think, I think the, that does make a difference. I think, they, the they, I think the sun saw which way the wind I'm was just, blowing. I've been, I've been hurt before, John. I'm I know. Get my yeah. hopes up. Uh, we've all been hurt before, but yeah. I really think the voters are done with the Conservatives. I'm convinced of it, and they will be wiped out of the next election, I oh, promise you. God, I can just going, see this coming back to haunt you now, I've been, John. I've been can you going, stop talking, for fuck's sake? <laughs> I've been going <laughs> on this website called Electoral Calculus, where you put in the polls, and it tells you what's going to happen. Labour gain Maidenhead. Labour gain Maidenhead. Henley, all of Surrey. This is what's They'll happening. Get in unless you stand there. Again. <laughs> oh, well, no, then they lose it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. Why it's, it, right now, why it's sort of quite interesting, enjoyable to look at the slow death of John Major's Absolutely. government. Because um, they did limp on for nearly five years after Black Wednesday. Yeah, so all, always 20 behind, points behind in the polls. And yeah. Losing by elections and everything. So. They still had that majority just. But like you say, we couldn't be sure back then that they weren't going to somehow pull it out of the bag. Um, yeah. And I don't think Major was ever seen as evil or vicious. He was just weak and ineffective and trying to hold together a corrupt and unpleasant bunch of Tory MPs. Well, it's now the corrupt and unpleasant bunch of Tory yeah, MPs are in charge. They've actually it's, taken over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they um, sort of, yeah. I mean, uh, they'd run out of ideas and they were exposed to the sort of self-serving lies and hypocrites that we'd always known they were. Because now they're just, they don't need to be exposed. They just wear that badge with pride now, don't they? Which is quite frightening. Yeah. They're not even bothering to hide that they're yeah. self-serving hypocrites. Um, so, you know, if you are a high-profile, moralising politician currently having an affair, get your garden gate painted. Yeah, because um, you're going to be posing there. Because you're going to be posing there for cameras soon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> your wife stands there thinking, why the fuck am I still here? <laughs> yeah. There was actually a TV series at this time called The Politician's Wife. Yeah, I never saw it. Um, um, what was it? Who was it? Juliet Stevenson. And she's married to this Tory politician. And he, she catches, he's Minister for Families. Ooh, oh, irony. Oh, this is oh, going to yeah. come down to him. And uh, she catches him having an affair. And he lies and he keeps lying. Uh, lying. And eventually she engineers his uh, resignation by leaking stuff to the press. Guess who wins the by-election? Did she win the by-election? Oh, you spoiled it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, girl power. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think we're probably facing the same fate in the UK now, a government with no authority, no mandate. At least John Major had won a bloody election. Liz Truss got 14% yeah. of Tory MPs in the first round of voting. Couldn't get a majority of Tory members, even, in the two-horse race. So the next few couple of years, I think, we're going to see this current government just limp on and limp on. Oh, keep it light, John. It's, uh, um... <laughs> so, yeah, that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's for, like... John Major's fall for power, isn't it? He's not the most thrilling politician, but at least he wasn't an out-and-out -out psychopath. Yes. Yeah, at least I um, think we'd consider ourselves lucky. I quite, I quite happily... I don't know about you, I'm ready for a Prime Minister, John, who, who's fucking boring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Who just yeah. goes to bed early, gets up, does the job. I know. That'd be, be nice, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, that would be, well, yep. Yeah. We've, uh, I thought now we'd consider ourselves lucky we have John Major, I think. Yeah. Um, but that is it for this episode of We Are History. Um, yes, we've, thank we've, you so we've, much. We've, 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 we've gone through most of the scandals. We haven't dwelt on too, the, too many details of the flabby-faced Tory MPs on top of their poor young researchers. And try not to think about David um, Mellor having sex in a Chelsea. Just try not to think <laughs> about it. But do go home and Google uh, John Redwood singing the Welsh National Anthem and, and watch it 25 times. That's what I did yesterday. It's beautiful. Um, um, 
Thank you to the Cheerful Earful podcast for uh, Give them having a round us of applause here. for putting on this lovely little podcast festival for having us take part. Thank you to our guests at our first ever live show. Yeah. I think we might do some more. It's been fun. Yeah, it's good fun. It's great to have a crown here and have some beers. Uh, give us yeah. five stars on your On your listening devices. And whatever Uber. You're on. I love listening to John do this, but let's, let's see how Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and um, sorry to the thousands, literally thousands of people who had to be turned away at the door. Yeah, it's a shame. But, uh, yeah. you know, that's why you've got to book early for yeah, these things. Yeah, well done, so you guys. You managed you to get one. tickets. It's like Glastonbury. You had four laptops <laughs> out. It's brilliant. Um, but, yes, thank you. We'll be back next week with another episode of uh, We Are History. We and, are. Um, and uh, until then. Until then. Oh, and follow us on Twitter at We Are History Pod. Follow us on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone. See you next time. Bye.